Hi everyone, my name is Kate. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Artwise. Hello everyone, back at you again. Happy Tuesday if you're listening to this the day it comes out. If you're listening on another day, happy whatever day it is. So today we have a guest, Rachel. So Rachel, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody what you're all about? It's 11-11 right now as we're recording. That's a make a wish first before you say it. <laughs> Perfect. Hey guys, I'm Rachel. I'm, I go by That Hippie Painter online. I'm a visual artist based in Virginia and I specialize in acrylic and watercolor. So I'm here to talk to you guys a little bit about like the process and what it's like being like a career artist. Awesome. So I always ask everyone the same first question and the same last question. The middle questions are custom to whatever artist is on. But the first question that I always ask everybody, because I think this is one of the most interesting questions to hear an artist talk about is, how did you begin your art journey? Because everybody's different. Some people, you know, were born painting out the womb and some people had repressed their artist self until adulthood, until they couldn't take it anymore. So <laughs> how did you begin your art journey? What was your like villain origin story? Was becoming an artist something that you always wanted to do or something that you learned about yourself later on? What, what's the deets? Give me the tea. <laughs> well, I've been painting and drawing since I was like 10. So it's definitely like started off really rough, obviously, and then got more serious about it in high school. They were still bad, I promise. And then up through college, I also was like honing the craft. So if if you think about it, like I've been at it for like 15 years at this point, but at the first beginning part, it was definitely like really bad. And I had to go through that to get like, you know, okay at art now. You know, I mean, no one starts out good. There's <laughs> like, no. definitely like a harsh learning curve. Yeah, no one starts out and they're like automatically good at drawing. Like, even if you are like naturally inclined to art, like a lot of people I know have really good spatial reasoning skills. And there's even some people I know who aren't artists who I've seen them draw like a little doodle. And I'm like, you could be an artist if you wanted to. And they're like, yeah, no, I don't have the patience which is valid because it does take a lot of patience. But yeah, right. no one starts out good in my in my opinion. No one comes out. What, what's no, definitely the, not. What's the TikTok? I like it. Picasso. No one comes out like that. Well, Picasso wasn't that good in my opinion, but I digress. Um. Maybe technically not that good. I, I agree with that. But yeah, I do think that a lot of people get like discouraged because they're like, oh, it's not perfect. Or they're like way too perfectionist about their stuff. They're like, don't let that stand in your way. You have to keep going. If you don't keep practicing, it's not going to get any better. Yeah, I'm really fortunate to have had parents who lied to me and told me I was really good when I wasn't because I am the type of person like if I am not immediately good at something, I will not continue to do it. I, yeah. I need to automatically like already be good at something upon starting. <laughs> if so it's not perfect on the first try. Yeah, it's a exactly. Experience, and we get to try again. Yeah, I remember I wanted to learn guitar when I was a kid, and I I think I tried for maybe like a week, and I was like, okay. I can't do it. It's yeah. been a week. I'm still not good at it. I'm done. But with it drawing. 
with drawing, especially as like a little kid when you're drawing at like a super young age and you draw something and everybody's like, oh my God, that's so good. You're like, oh, I'm really good. And it, it real in reality, it's like not, I mean, it might be good for like, you know, your that 10 year old, yeah. 10 year old self, but in reality, it's like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's not that good. But if everyone was telling me I was bad at it, I probably wouldn't have continued to do it. So <laughs> I totally get that. But so what, so you just always kind of liked art. What kind of made the, how do I word this? I'm so bad at words. What kind of led you to decide to go to college for art? Because that's like a decision you get to make, like right? Like in elementary school and high school, elementary school and high school, middle school and high school, you kind of, you don't have a choice. I mean, like you have to take general education classes and you can take like your art electives if you so yeah. choose. But when you pick like a major in college, that's like a, a lot more like focused I guess I should say so yeah. what kind of led you to decide like okay this is what I want to do for the rest of forever I think so I'm just gonna go with this I had in high school I'd taken AP studio art right and that's like a college credit and I figured if I was an art major that would count for the credit and I guess that's how I originally started like I had tentatively picked the major as art, and by the time I had got through the first couple semesters, I was kind of committed to it. The reason I wanted to do art in college is just to kind of like pers like perfect the skill, I guess. Like I was pretty okay at it in high school, but you know how high school art is? Yeah. So once I got to college, I was like, okay, we're going to get serious. We're going to get all the technical st skills down. And then after I got out, I was like, I don't want to paint photorealism anymore because if I wanted a photo, I could have just taken a photo. So at this point I'm trying, I've worked post-college, like since 2019 on just developing more of like a stylized enjoyment of the process instead of a photorealistic result yeah no i feel that for sure and plus it gives you like tangible credentials which sounds terrible but like you know sometimes like when everybody's like thinking about like the whole like starving artist you know stereotype yeah. they're like well at least i have a piece of paper that says i can do art yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because I was just thinking about this the other day and I I forget who said it. I feel like it was like Mark Rubin or some guy from Shark Tank or something. But someone was saying like, you know, what is the most valuable skill to have if you want to make money? Like what is the best thing to do? And like for the most part, people say, oh, you know, an engineer, like a computer engineer or computer science or a software engineer or a doctor or a lawyer or something that's like very blatantly obviously super important and necessary but i think in the times that we're in being an artist is probably one of the most valuable things you can be and it's crazy cuz most people would argue that that's stupid and wrong <laughs> who don't who aren't artists but they're but also watching it on TikTok all the time you know like exactly that's exactly where i was going with that yeah it's content creation and 
things of that are so incredibly valuable because it's a hard skill to learn and not everyone can learn it. And I remember when when I quit my nine to five as a graphic designer, I was so scared that I was not going to be able to afford to live. But then I, you know, I sat down and I realized, wow, I have a lot of valuable skills from what I did because, you know, I'm Adobe Premiere Pro certified. I'm or I'm Adobe Premiere CC certified. I'm Final Cut Pro certified. I, you know, I can use WordPress, Squarespace. I can design websites. I can, you know, I know graphic design, Illustrator, Photoshop. Like art is something that's so valuable skill because like talking to people who are also in the same space who aren't artists they don't know how to use illustrator they don't know how to use photoshop they don't know how to paint a painting for a video and make a time lapse of it they don't know how to you know they just they just make content based on like whatever their niche is but then they're like oh but i would love to learn illustrator because then i could make content and like I could make my business all pretty and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you it's a useful skill. And now I'm like teaching people Illustrator as like part of my art business because it's like as an artist, it's crazy because people are always like, oh, starving artists, being an artist isn't a real job. I think it's the way of the future of like high paying, high skill jobs, in my opinion. So yeah, I'm really glad that when you have like you want a business to look crisp and clean right and people have such a short attention span that first impression of like all the the logos being smooth and that kind of thing is Mm -hmm. like much more important than you would think on like a subconscious level oh yeah absolutely from a graphic design standpoint i just i literally got in a fight on instagram not a fight it was a very one-sided fight because i was i was (laughs) i posted a video on my instagram which again content creation But I posted a little video and it was like one of the Kardashians. Hold on. Actually, I can play the sound for you. But I think it was one of the Kardashians. I want to say it was. It sounds like their voices. (laughs) But it's the sound that's like this. Hold on. I'll play it. I think, yeah, this one. I think it's nice to not even see. (laughs) That, That one. And I just like... I put text that said when your when your client what was it? It was like when your client uh or oh wait, hold on. Let me just read what I have. Duh, I have it right in front of my face. So I wrote on the video when a potential client ghosts you and you see them using a logo they made themselves in Microsoft Word a week later. <laughs> and like It's nice to not even see. But someone commented all angrily on that video. I thought it was hilarious. Someone commented all angrily on that video. Most of the time, these people creating graphics and logos charge an arm and a leg for something that you can create in two seconds on Placeit. And I was like, you realize why it's expensive. It's because it's a highly sought after skill and people actually want good and creative and original artwork for their business. Yeah, Not there's really- like a science behind it for graphic design, especially because you have to have yes. like like a subconscious working knowledge of the like golden ratio and, you know, like asymmetrical balance and good composition. Yeah, it's it's... I don't know. And I got mad. (laughs) And this was my, I'll read you my response. I said, good vector art is created 
or good vector art created by a graphic designer is not cheap simply because learning graphic design and vector art programs takes years of practice and skill. It's not just the logo you're paying for. It's the fact that I know what I'm doing. And if you wanted to make a logo I created to print, or if you wanted to take a logo that I created to a print shop, you would have absolutely no problem putting it on shirts, hats, business cards, even billboards. But a $2 logo from Placeit is not only unoriginal, they're literally all the same with different text. It's not going to hold up at, to those print standards when you take it to a print shop. Trust me when I say a logo and brand design is expensive for good reasons and it is a true art form. Would you rather have a body of cohesive work to use for your business curated by an artist or a cheap looking $2 logo that you can't really print anywhere? And they didn't respond to that because I'm right. And that's why. Some people just don't see the necessity of having original art yet because they haven't fully caught up with the times that we're living in. But honestly, having an aesthetically pleasing Instagram account or a TikTok account or a website is a lot more important than people think. Honestly, if I'm trying to work with someone and I click on their website and it's like broken and looks like crap, I'm not going to work with them. (laughs) (laughs) If I can't go on your website and find out exactly what you're good at, exactly what you do, exactly what you can provide for me, then it's just not going to (laughs) happen. Especially if you don't even have a website. It's crazy to me that there are businesses out there. Like I'm moving soon and I was searching for a new apartment and there was a few places with no website. And I was just like, what? That's mad sketchy. Crazy. So I called them and I was like, hey, do you guys have any units available? Because I was desperate, (laughs) desperate to find a place. And I was like, do you guys have any units available? And they were like, we're booked with a three year wait list. And I was like, how? You don't have a website. How? I was so confused. (laughs) But yeah, insanity, absolutely bonkers insanity i literally found them on like google business and they had no website they just had a phone number with hours and that's it so i don't know how they were fully booked but that that being said like there's so so much goes into artists and people who design websites and stuff like that i feel like i just i don't even know how things can exist without having some sort of online presence curated by an artist and it's an important job that's why it's expensive (laughs) (laughs) High skill. Have you dabbled in graphic design and that kind of thing at all? Yeah, I did. I took intro to graphic design at ODU and it was a required class for me. I was studio art major, but they also wanted to introduce just digital basics, basically. And since then, I've done a little bit of like when I did the illustrations for the novel that I worked on, they needed to be touched up and like messed with a little bit digitally. I don't know. I wouldn't really call that graphic design, but it's like digital artwork as well. And I also designed a logo for another friend's podcast that was like, the the podcast is called like Waffle Boarded, I think. It's like a hockey podcast. So it was like the Waffle Board, like shield thing. And he also wanted me to do a design for his hockey leg pads you know that's that's definitely not what they're called but you know what I mean he's the goalie so they're like all the way up his thigh I have no idea what they're called but yeah I know what you mean (laughs) I didn't know at one point if he watches this I'm sorry Chris (laughs) oh my gosh okay that's awesome I I love we love a well-rounded artist here I know a lot of people come in with very specific niche, but that's so super cool. So another question that I had sort of regarding college and like 
choosing to attend college for art. In your opinion, how do you think school has helped prepare you in your career as an artist? Do you think it did a good job or was there something to be, was there more to be desired from that situation? I think maybe what was lacking from my art education when I went to school, they did a phenomenal job of making sure we had regular critiques and, you know, getting the skills really refined and having us try a variety of media because there were required classes that were from printmaking to painting. They only offered oil painting, but, you know, charcoal drawing. And then so within a class, you might also be required to do different media. 3D class, we had to do an outfit made out of cardboard. So we've done a lot of different stuff in college. However, I feel like the business aspect was lacking. Maybe I should have taken some business classes from there. But once I got out, I had to figure out how to market and, you know, promote and, you know, search for markets and stuff like opportunities that that was all like footwork that I learned like after the fact. So probably should have researched the business a little bit more while I was there. That's, I will say that's pretty useful. Yeah, I totally get what you mean. I've had a few artist friends tell me that they wish they would have just majored in business instead of art and then used that their knowledge of business to create an art business because they said they got, they, they would have gotten more out of that than just the art classes. Cause a lot of A lot of artists I've noticed too, especially when you've been doing it, you know, since 10 years old, almost your entire life, and you've been creating for so long, you kind of start to find your identity and yourself as an artist pretty early on. And so by the time you're in college, they're kind of forcing you to try all these new things, which is great. And it's amazing. And I know a lot of people that that's been really helpful for them. But also, I feel like once people leave the school setting, they kind of revert back to their own personal identity as an artist anyway. So I can totally see like business classes like being more helpful. I didn't finish college. I have an associate arts. It's like a general education degree. I didn't really... It's technically a graphic design transfer track, but I didn't take any graphic design classes at all whatsoever in college because much like you I took a lot of art classes in college I had AP studio AP drawing I took some design courses as well in dual enrollment like while I was still in high school but like through the college so I had all of my graphic design credits and most of my associate art credits by the time that I graduated but that's something that I definitely felt like was to be desired from my degree. I'm like, okay, this taught me absolutely nothing useful. What a waste of money. That's how I felt personally. Not, I'm not speaking for you. But it's uh, good practice. I will say it's good practice and getting on a like, you know, you can meet a deadline because you've been doing it all through school. Absolutely. Yeah, that's something that I feel like helped me in terms of like the world. <laughs> the world after I graduated because I I graduated college in December of 2019. So it was right before COVID. And I worked, I I couldn't afford to be in school full-time and not work. So I worked two jobs and I was in school. And so I I had to do online school because I worked from nine to 
9 a.m. to sometimes like 11 p.m. like every other day because I had two jobs. So I would go job one from nine to six. I'd leave a little bit. I'd skip lunch, leave a little bit early and then go to my second job just to pay for the degree I was getting. And so I I couldn't go to school like I had to do online. So then when I was at my job as a graphic designer and they were like, oh, we have to work from home. Everyone was panicking because they were like, I don't know how to work from home. I need someone breathing down my neck, forcing me to work or I'm just going to do laundry all day. And that's yeah. it. And yeah. And I was kind of like, oh, well, I had to do this for school because I did online school and I had to meet deadlines anyway. So this is fine. And that's like a skill that I wasn't expecting to have needed, but I'm super grateful that I did school that way before it was like kind of forced on us like as like not only like kids that were still in school at that point when, you know, all this like COVID stuff started happening, but also, you know, just like work, (laughs) having to work from home is really helpful. But I totally, yeah, I totally, the business stuff is definitely, yeah. I actually hired a business mentor. Shout outs, Ginger. Ginger, I don't know if you're uh, listening. Probably not. <laughs> but if you are, shouts out to Ginger. I hired a business mentor because I had no clue what I was doing and I needed help. And that was worth it for me, especially because I didn't finish college. So it wasn't like I had a bunch of money. I mean, I did have to pay for the associate arts degree that I have, but like I if I were in the, this is the reason why I didn't finish too. Cause if I were to go to university, I asked for a quote and they told me it was going to be $80,000 for two years of school. And I was like, for, yeah, I was like, are you serious? And they were like, yes, yeah, university. And I was like, oh, I don't have $80,000. And they're like, well, your FAFSA says you do. And I'm like, yeah, you mean my family's entire income who I don't live with anymore? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, no. I don't know why FAFSA thinks that like oh your tuition is sixty thousand dollars a year and your mom makes sixty thousand dollars a year of course you can afford it it's like (laughs) like i wasn't planning on eating food anyway like i wasn't planning on eating food or having housing or anything i guess this is fine no i really don't understand that logic at all buying fast no College crazy. So next topic. Sorry, we keep talking about school. So I I wanted to, I was curious because it seems like you've worked on like a wide variety of projects in the past. I was just wondering if you could kind of like go over a little list of like projects that you've worked on and maybe talk about like the difference between the types of projects and maybe like if you have any recommendations for like a certain type of person or artist, like what kind of projects you would recommend for those types of people. You understand what I'm saying? I'm making sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like- so let me know if I leave anything out, but like I, I do commissions. I was on the staff for a plein air festival in the next town over last year. That was fun. I do pop-up shows pretty regularly. I'm, I'm a part-time ceramics instructor at that cultural arts center. I was an illustrator briefly and I worked on this as a volunteer on this community project called parallel migrations yeah so (laughs) quite a few different types of projects i will say probably my my favorite one is probably the pop-up shows they're just so cool you get to meet all these different people you set up your stuff and you just kind of hang out i've been to some that are terrible like (laughs) it was three days long and it was 100 degrees each day that one was like 
maybe three weekends ago, two weekends ago. Anyway, and I've been to some that are awesome. Like they're so well marketed. They are, you know, nice and like intimate. There's like not too many vendors and the people who come by are just so chill and they're like oh yeah so so what do you do like what do you like to do and then you you have the connection with the customer because it's face to face so i have a question how how do you how would you go about finding pop-up shows because i have never been to one i did right before covid happened i got a table at comic-con and then it was canceled so (laughs) so cool though oh my god i have tried to do the local chapter of comic-con oh um, that's what i meant not big comic-con sorry Yeah, so yeah, I was interested in that for a while there because my boyfriend comes with me to those and he illustrated the, he wrote the book that I illustrated. So, and it's very superhero kind of like, it's not a graphic novel. There's only like six illustrations or something like that in it, but it's very conducive to the Comic-Con environment. But but yeah, finding pop-up shows is like... At first, it was really difficult until you started like going to one or two and then you make connections and start to see them come up on your feed where those other artists that you followed have started posting about different art shows that are coming up. Or if you get in with like the local breweries, if you follow them, a lot of times they'll be like, oh, my, we're doing like a spring art crafts fair or whatever. And you're like applications, DM us for an application. So you just kind of have to like keep an eye out, follow the cities that are like around you especially those you know like you know for us it would be like city of virginia beach like they do a lot of like art crawl art you know mural type opportunities so they do advertise those on their social media it's just you kind of have to know who to follow and like there's also websites that you can pay for that are like you can pay for a subscription and they'll be like here's a bunch of art stuff coming up and i also have a very helpful group chat made by a local artist shout out to high near supply because she made this group chat with a bunch of people and they're so nice and they just send if they hear about an opportunity they send it to us in this group chat on instagram that's awesome i am definitely gonna try and look for them i just feel like i never hear about them until after they're already over and then i'm like oh i could have you know gotten out of my comfort zone a little bit and done that because I don't know. Talking to people and being social in person is just so hard for me. It's it's so easy over the internet and over like Skype. But like when I'm in someone's like energy field, yeah. I am just like I get so drained and so overwhelmed. And yeah, it kind of depends on the day. Like I kind of have to hype myself up for those. And it really helps that I have like kind of other people that I know in the community at this point. So I can walk over to their table and be like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, for sure. So out of all of those, like the pop-up things, commissions, illustrations, teaching, out of everything that you've worked on, what's what's been your favorite? Probably either the pop-ups or the teaching the paint and sip classes. So I teach those, you know, a couple times a week and the people who come there just, they're so excited. They'll come in and they'll be like, I don't know how to draw a stick figure. I'm not artistic. And I was like, well, I will be your Bob Ross this evening. So I got you guys and it'll look great by the time you leave, I promise. And they're like, "Mm, I don't know. But then they get to the end of the class and they're like, you know, this didn't turn out bad. And I was like, I told you, I told you it's about the process. Just have fun with it. (laughs) 
Oh, for sure. I've always wanted to do that, but I've just, I, I've like never had the chance to do like a job like that. I remember, I think I applied like one time for like painting with a twist <laughs> instructor and instructor and I never heard back. And then I realized that the posting was old and that they probably already found somebody. Oh, but right. I, I would love to do something like that. I think it just sounds like so much fun, even if only as like a part-time type gig. Yeah, like, it's definitely, it's definitely part-time. I, I work for Painting with a Twist. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. it's, it is so much fun though. Cause you just, like, it used to be really hard cause I wasn't very like outgoing. But that job has helped me so much in ways that I did not expect it to help. Like, you can paint a 16 by 20 in two hours now. Like, And I'm like, well, if I can paint a commercialized painting in two hours, I should be able to paint an original in four. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely think jobs like that help artists a lot if, like, you're given the opportunity to do something like that, especially because not not every artist. I I have ha had periods of my life where I'm like this, but I feel like we're n like naturally introverted people. So to yeah. instruct a painting <laughs> class, I feel like as like my I don't know like my I'm not I'm I'm like I feel like I'm less introverted than the average artist but at like certain points in my life like when I was like 15 I probably like you probably couldn't have paid me enough money in the world to like be able to do something like that yeah but me also, neither. I did theater I did theater in in middle school so I'm thinking like I don't know maybe I would have been fine I've never done it I don't know you would, you would totally be fine because even if you're like teaching a class of like 30 and they're you know really rambunctious like a lot of times they're there for like a good time they're not really there to micromanage the painting you just need to like encourage them and just as long as you're like having fun they can tell that you love the craft so much that they are willing to sort of meet you halfway and be like, well, maybe I can do this. And you also, as far as like the introvertedness goes, you have the painting as a fallback. So if you like lose your train of thought or something, you could be like, you have a visual sitting right there to remind yourself what you were doing and you don't necessarily have to make eye contact the entire time. And that's what makes me lose my train of thought is like trying to make eye contact with people and continue what I was saying. And, you know, if I have the painting there, I'm like, oh, yeah, so we're painting sunflowers. That's right. And back on track. And of course, like they, to an extent, you can just pull the artist card and be like, well, <laughs> totally lost my train of thought, guys. It's all good. And then you just give it a second. And you're like, oh, yeah, we were doing this. And they're like, ha, what a quirky artist. Like they sort of <laughs> expect it from me to an extent. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm so bad about that. Oh my god. Even, even like, if I'm not, like, because I kind of, I teach online art classes for little kids in the form of, like, videos, so I can just, like, if I to completely space, it's just a video, I can edit it before I post it, and it's, like, fine. <laughs> but, like, even, I remember, I, I, one of my first jobs, too, was at a custom t-shirt shop, and I remember my boss, Mike, I miss you, Mike, please appear out of the depths of wherever you are because I've been trying to get a hold of you for over a year and I haven't heard from you. But anyway, my ma my old manager, Mike, from that job, I was like 18 working there and he, he taught me a lot. But 
I remember when I got hired at the the new job, I gave a three week notice. So there was three weeks that I was working there that he knew I was going to be leaving and going to like an actual like legit for Nike graphic design job. And he was like, I don't know how you're going to survive at Nike. I think he was jealous, but he was like, I don't know how you're going to survive there. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, every time you design something, like you will literally be working. I'll see you working on the computer and then you'll just stop. And then there's like solid five minutes where you're just staring at the computer screen. Like, and I can just see your brain emptying and you just like, and then you snap back into it and you start working again. And I'm like, I don't do that. And he's like, <laughs> it's part of the process, Mike. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally. I'm like, I don't do that. He's like, yes, you do. And then I started working from home. And my boyfriend was like, why do you just stop? Like, you just space for like five minutes where you just sit there and like everything you're doing just like, and you're just, and I'm like, I guess I zone out really bad. And I do it when I'm talking too. If I'm talking to people, I've done it on the podcast before. It's so bad. I'll just be in the middle of a sentence. And I'll just be like, and then the other person will be like, hello. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, sorry. Was I recording a podcast? Jesus. But yeah, no. Least favorite. Least favorite project. You couldn't pay me enough to do this again. <laughs> All right, so I don't want to bash my jobs because I'm also very grateful to have them, but I don't think I would do the the elementary school ceramics instructor again. So it's been an experience. It's been, it's not very often, thank goodness, it's like twice a month, but it's like an after school program because the uh, school system gives teachers like a, a recharge catch up on planning day every other week and the parents kind of like didn't know what to do with the kids when that started because they sort of the school system kind of sprung it on everybody they're like hey we're trying to do this to help the teachers out which is great but also the parents work so the when the kids get off at like 11 they can't just go home they're like eight nine and ten years old Mm -hmm. so they come to us and they have like a, a block of crafts and it's like you know no more than 20 minutes per class like my class is the ceramics and then there's also a dance class so it burns some energy and we're coming to the end of that because once the school year is over that obviously will no longer be a thing but it's been sort of weird to get the principles of ceramics kind of like to kids because there's a lot that can go wrong with ceramics like if you get air bubbles for instance trapped in the clay it can explode when you, you know, heat up the clay to like, you know, what is it, like 1200 degrees or whatever. So yeah. when that air yeah. expands, it's going to blow the clay. And then some kid will be like, you ruined my project. I was like, well, you had bubbles in it. And I told you not to do that. So that's been terrifying the whole time. So far, nobody's project has exploded. I also like wedge it to get the bubbles out of it before they started. But if they crumpled something together like play-doh and they were like oh i'm just gonna start again like you can't do that and it's been really hard to like ingrain that in their head also if you glaze the bottom glaze turns to glass in the kiln so you're you just super glued your project to my shelves in the kiln and i'm gonna have to use a hammer to get it off so nobody did that i tried to like i repeated it like easily 10 times i was like what are we not gonna do and they were like is the bottom and I was like good you guys are paying attention 
Oh my gosh. I feel like <laughs> I've never done ceramics and I tried to take a 3D art class, but I forget what happened with that. I guess I just didn't. I wanted to, but I never got like a chance. It might've been full. I don't remember. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a 2D artist. But I have I, one of the love-hate relationship with ceramics, not gonna lie. So throwing like the little kid mentality into it is just like another layer for me. Like I taught like briefly a small like adult class. That was pretty okay. They were like asking me a bunch of questions and I was like, oh yeah, so like you just do this, don't glaze the bottom. You can use underglaze and to make the color if you want and then just put clear over top. That's like the easiest method. And they were like, oh, that's so cool. And uh, trying to teach throwing on the wheel. Like I'm pretty okay at that. Like, I'm not bad at it, but I don't feel like I'm as good at it as painting. So that gives me a little bit of an imposter syndrome when I'm, like, trying to teach somebody how to throw on the wheel. I'm like, yeah, so you just, you know, you brace yourself and then you, like, start to flatten it and then you widen it and pull the sides up. And they were like, oh, that's like that's like witchcraft right there. And I was like, I mean, <laughs> you just have to do it quite a few times. It is really hard. It takes a long time to get it to work at all. People who are good at it make it look so easy too. That's yes. like the worst part. They'll literally sit there and make like a vase, a beautiful vase in like 10 minutes. And you're just like, mm -mm. yeah, it is witchcraft. Maybe, probably. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, one of my co-teachers that is more experienced ceramics teacher that also works at the same center, she makes it look like so frustratingly easy. She's like, oh, yeah, we ju you're just going to do it. And then she does like a beautiful like pot or vase or like you were saying. And I'm just like, dude, like it's it's you make it look really easy. But she's like she's been teaching for like so many years. So. Yeah, I really enjoy working with with kids online it, like teaching the art classes that I've been doing it's honestly it's my favorite little like side job side gig person. for extra money that I've done because it's online so there's like an unlimited amount of it's almost like Skillshare or like YouTube but for kids and they can submit like these projects and part of my job is like going through and and looking at their projects and be like oh my gosh good job you did amazing <laughs> and some of the projects that they do just knock me on my ass like laughing I'm like that's amazing awesome. I had I had a, a video talking about it was talking about uh, the psychology behind colors and how different colors make you feel different things and how it's important to learn the psychology behind colors when you're designing logos because you can use the colors to your advantage based on like whatever business you're designing for and so I just talked about each color and like you know, red can, you know, make you hungry or angry and, you know, stuff like that. And some of the kids' logos are just so funny. I remember my favorite one ever. It, it had like a little slogan on it. And I forget what the restaurant was called. It was like the kid's name or something. But it was like so-and-so restaurant where the parents' menu is at the back. Like they were so pressed that the kids' <laughs> menu was always on the back. They're like, well, now the parents' menu is a tiny section at the back and the kids' menu is the whole thing. And it just <laughs> made me laugh because I never thought that, because like thinking about kids, right? Like stuff like that is like so bothersome in the end of the world because they've never had to deal with like their rent doubling or like their washing machine flooding their apartment. So like their problems are like, I can't believe they put, my menu at the back. That's so messed up. 
that's like racism <laughs> or discrimination or something like that's kids like problem yeah that's like their number one thing and it just they make me laugh so much it just makes me so happy <laughs> and it was a great logo too it was really well done like some of these kids too like especially growing up in like the digital age making artwork oh my goodness there's some of them are so i'm like wow they did better than me when i was like 17 years old and like because right. they just they know their way around a computer and yeah. they're great they they know digital art some of them, a lot of them learn digital art before they learn to paint you know with their hands yeah so it's more accessible it doesn't take up as much room oh yeah that's why I, I swapped to it it's way less messy it's so much easier for a parent to hand their kid an ipad with procreate on it than to like give them a set of paints with a canvas that they're gonna have to clean up for hours and hours so yeah, yeah i totally get it but it's just like some of the these kids like in like you know 10 or 15 years when they're you know fully grown adults are gonna be like masters of like digital art because they started yes. it so young and i just think exactly. about like i didn't start doing digital art until i was like maybe 16 or 17 years old and even then it was very seldom until i started working as a graphic designer so that's just my two cents i think it's crazy we're living in unprecedented times of like being an artist right. for sure oh my goodness so another question that i have for you is like what what are your secrets to successfully living off of your artwork so do you have any like tips for people that are maybe just starting out on like gaining commissions finding work finding art related jobs is there anything that you would say has like really helped you in that regard like any tips maybe oh definitely being like present in the community, I think has helped me a lot. I've gotten a lot of commissions from people who come up to my tent at a festival and I have like an example of my dog painted on the table and they're like, oh, that's so cool. I was like, yeah, I do custom pet commissions. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, so like check out my website. So having a website, so like having an online presence, so having Instagram, TikTok, your own website, being like going out and meeting people so that they meet you in an in a like an artistic setting like at an art fair or something i think that's probably like the best way that i've gotten commissions like word of mouth in the community is much more powerful than advertising for me thus far i did make at one point a a long time ago i made like a an a Facebook marketplace ad for pet commissions. And I just had like four or five examples of what I've done. And Facebook took it down because they thought I was selling actual dogs because they're like <laughs> kind of on the realistic side. And they're like, you can't sell animals. I'm like, bro, it's a painting. <laughs> but I did get a few commissions from that before Facebook was like, no. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I never thought of that. That's a good idea. Yeah. How much were you, by if, if you're comfortable saying, how much were you charging uh, for those it, at the time? It, it just depends charge? on the size. For me, when I first started, the I did five by seven as my smallest one. So I wasn't going to do like super tiny, tiny. So I try to do standard sizes as well in case anybody wants to frame them. So five by seven was starting at like 50 bucks. Eight by 10 was 75. 11 by 14 was like 90, et cetera. Okay, you should be charging a lot more. I've been told, but I want them to actually sell. <laughs> Everyone says that, but 
That's the thing is like, you only need one customer if you're charging a lot for what you would need. So like, for example, if hypothetically, if you were charging like $1,000 for one of those, you would only need like one person. I don't think I would get any bites on it if it was that expensive though. I did like 40 of them last year. So what would you say are like your future goals for yourself and your work as an artist? Like, do you have any, like, if you ideally like tomorrow, like you woke up and someone contacted you with like a new project or a new commission that they wanted to bring you onto, like what, what would your goal dream project be to work on as an artist? Well, I'm not really like, what do you mean by project? Like the type of type of so like for example if somebody like this just happened to me kind of the the other day somebody calls you up and they're like uh i have a series of of children's books about a bee eating a moth that i need you to i don't know what does the why was that the first thing that came to my mind? Would that happen? I don't think it would. But I have a I have a children's book, a series of children's books, 12 children's books, $3 million I'm willing to pay you because it's a bestseller, New York Times bestseller, children, children's book, $3 right. million. And I need you to illustrate 10 children's books of this, a story about a bee. Like, I don't know, just like an example of like, like I think as far ideal. as like, like commission work, as far as commission work, if somebody contacted me and they they were like they wanted a series of large scale paintings in my style, but they got to like they wanted to set up the still lives themselves or something like that, like a collaborative effort, and they're like like a high profile type, not person, but like high profile type like payment for it. Not even like three million dollars. I'd be great with like three thousand, but you know if they you know, were to offer. I think that would be something that that's one of my favorite things to do is commissions, because when you complete it, that specific person that asked for it is like super excited about it. They're like, this is so much better than I could have even imagined. But uh, another goal that I have is to bring kind of the art scene to my town, like the surrounding three towns have a pretty decent art representation, but mine does not. And I think it'd be cool to open like a shop or a boutique kind of place with other art kind of stuff but I've worked at boutiques before and they don't they they typically aren't like consumer friendly because people are like oh why would I buy why would I spend this much for like a plate and like because it's handmade and they're like no I'll just go to Walmart so I don't know (laughs) if that would really be great for this this area per se but I think it'd be really cool to have like more of a like an artsy thing or like the mural scene is really big in the town next to mine. It would be cool to do some murals here. I've never worked on a mural personally, but it just seems like something that would be really cool to do because it's like a lasting art project. You get to drive by it and be like, yeah, I remember doing that. That was fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I've done murals before and uh, they look really deceptive because you look at them and you're like oh that artist must have had so much fun but you know when you go to do it yourself and you're up on the scaffolding and it's shaking and it's about to rain and you're panicking (laughs) it's like not as fun (laughs) yeah that's kind of the the issue as well i'm like if you have a thing with heights it's absolutely like I don't I'm okay with heights but like at the same time something that large scale would be intimidating for me because I like I do mostly like medium paintings because that's what I figured out sells really well at my shows like based on the people that I'm interacting with 
it's usually like no not too much bigger than a 16 by 20 most of the time it's like 8 by 10s 11 by 14s that are the most popular yeah it's it's i've done so i've done three three try to remember if that's the right number it feels like i've done more but i feel like three is a good number I, i've done three murals like inside of bedrooms like my, my first yeah exactly <laughs> so much easier and you don't need to be on a scaffolding you can just get a regular ladder and you're fine but i did three bedrooms i did my own bedroom in high school is like the first one i did i did my friend's sister's bedroom and then i did my buddy's nursery and i did like accent wall murals in the bedrooms and those were my favorites to do immediately when you go outside to do a mural on like the most recent one that I did was October of 2021 so it was pretty recently and I I thought it would be fun I thought it would take maybe a day I they were like they were logos so they had to be really clean and specific and they were like five feet by five feet like they were pretty big it doesn't sound right. big but like when no, you're down <laughs> when when you're down on the floor looking up at them they look really small but they're not they were huge they were bigger than me but they they were I was really stressed it was really stressful because it was super windy it had just rained so like the building was damp we were worried that it was going to start raining again it didn't it was just really cloudy which honestly is better than it being like super hot and sunny but it was it was cloudy and it was just like the paint kept dripping because the building was wet and we had a very set i don't know have you ever heard of the sport high ally okay so i don't know how to explain it i don't even truthfully really know what it is but they have these big claws I don't know. <laughs> they have like these big claws like you they are they're like taped to their hands and they have this ball and they like whip it around. I'll send you a video after we're done with this. But like they have these claw things. It's almost like if lacrosse, but like it's like a ramp and it's like taped to your hand and they whip the ball around. It's terrifying. It's scary. Oh but it, it was a high ally court and they wanted these high ally logos. And my dad, who is also an artist, was like, oh, you want to help me? It'll be like a fun thing we can do together. And I was like, of course. And then we get there and it's like raining. And I'm like, okay, what's the game plan? And my dad's (laughs) like, I got tracing paper because they're logos and they have to be exact. And I was like, okay, cool. So (laughs) we go up there, we line up the tracing paper. We trace like, basically like tracing paper has lead on the back and then you can draw the actual logo on the outside with a projector before you get there. So my dad did the prep for it. And then we taped the paper up and like we traced over it so that we had like the outline on the thing. But the problem was it was like wet and nothing was drying fast because the building was wet because it rained the night before. And it was just, it was a disaster. And also the scaffolding was shaking and we were like so happy to have the scaffolding because we were like oh i hope we don't have to get up on ladders because ladders are terrifying the scaffolding was worse the ladder so much more sturdy than the scaffolding <laughs> like it was just it was such a wreck it ended up taking two days it wasn't supposed to take two days it just it was impossible to get the first layer of paint to dry when we were there because 
it had rained the night before, but yeah, it was a really stressful experience. And my father, who is insane, is doing more murals for them here soon. Nice. And he's like, like oh, check the weather to... forecast first. <laughs> he's like, do you do you want to help me again? And I was like, I don't actually, but I mean, I'll keep it open if you need help. But like, don't count on me being much help because. I don't know, mortifying. It was so bad. I just, it was horrible. I, I, that for me is my least favorite art thing that I've done. It did not pay nearly enough for the amount of stress and time that went into it. It was horrifying, terrifying, so bad. Oh man, I'm, I have a few more questions. We're almost out of time. So you said the novel that you illustrated, this is off topic from what I was talking about. You said the novel that you illustrated, you said your boyfriend wrote it? Is that right? Yeah. That's, okay, that's super cool. How did you, what was like the process of that like before? So it was both of our like first time trying to get something published and he'd written it like kind of throughout high school and then he brought the idea to me because I was like the art kid in high school and we were friends. And I thought it was like a cool concept and like I thought it'd be a great opportunity to kind of like get both of our names like out there and you know we it was only like six drawings I was like oh I could do that I should have I should have done them after I took anatomy figure drawing in college helped me so much more with like you know proportion and stuff like that so I was just trying to like wing it and like draw off you know a reference photo for like the anatomy and the like comic book kind of style where they have those really harsh shadows but yeah his name's Dominic Pistrito the book is called The Marksman A Knight's Tale and it was published in January of 2021 and it was such a learning experience not only with the illustrations but like what the publisher was going to allow us to do I did them all in color like paint or colored pencil or marker and for like respectively and like they were like yeah we can't print it in color or it's gonna take a lot of money out of his paycheck because colorful ink is expensive and i was like okay we'll print them in black and white but i had prints made of them so when we're at shows and stuff we're like here's the book this is what the illustrations look like in color and it's like it's like merchandise as well so it kind of works out for for like customers and stuff that's super cool i was i was curious of how that went because yeah. i one of my dream projects, because we were talking about dream projects earlier, one of my dream projects is to do a graphic novel. I have one written. It's just, it's everything. Every project that I want to do is something that's going to take years. Yeah, <laughs> but like the sooner you start, the sooner it'll be done. Exactly. Oh my gosh. It's literally like, <laughs> I have everything started, nothing finished. I have, I, I'm working on a big project that I've ever done and I'm cool. so I'm so excited I'll, I'll it's 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 incredible I just, I you just to have to it. trust me yeah I'm I'm hoping to be done with it by September but Ooh. that is very wishful thinking so I'm hoping to have it finish soon but yeah it's one of like the biggest projects I've ever worked on and so I was really curious about the novel illustrations because yeah since this one was kind of like a it's like a superhero fantasy sci-fi kind of thing. So it's like, you know, 
the ancient sword of Excalibur is like ends up being like a portal to another dimension type of idea and you know gives people powers but also corrupts them at the same time and there's like it's a lot of like moving parts and a lot of different I don't know I feel like that affected the style of the illustrations as well you know like I I should have committed to one medium for the next book we've already done the illustrations in black and white this time and they're paintings so they were a lot faster because that's my main medium now back then it was like drawing supplies like the markers and the colored pencils but now i've realized that if you can paint you can paint over something if you mess up a certain area and you don't have to completely start over or anything so yeah definitely definitely would recommend painting if you like if you like painting for illustration if you're not oh yeah i mean you got it made with digital but like that's not my forte no i I didn't start doing digital until recently, and now it's hard for me to do traditional. I really only do traditional art if I'm making art for myself or if I need, like, meditation time. Because I find that, like, creating art is the only way I can get myself into a meditative state. If I try to listen to, like, a guided meditation or something like that, immediately will fall asleep. And people are like, oh, well, just listen to it while you're sitting down, not lying down. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'll fall asleep no matter where I'm at. Like... I could be sitting up. I could be driving. I will die. No, like I'm going to fall asleep. But that I definitely something I would do when I was illustrating too. I would illustrate like the main subject in colored pencils and I'd paint the background for speed. Yeah. (laughs) I loved mixed media stuff. That was like my favorite. My jam, my bread and butter. (laughs) I also had to do touch ups with digital. So it was like ink and marker and paint and digital and colored bits all work mixed together those are the best ones though because like there are no rules that's what i hate about like when you post your art on social media and like the art police are like you did this wrong and it's like who's to say (laughs) maybe you meant to do it that way (laughs) who who made you the art police because you're not it's so frustrating (laughs) people are like you can't do you can't do digital on a traditional painting and it's like but it's innovative guys yeah this could be the next new thing exactly (laughs) so coming up on our last question our final question this is the question that i ask everybody again the two the first and the last and that is uh, what advice would you give like a younger version of yourself a young artist who wants to follow a similar path as you is there anything that you wish you would have avoided or done sooner on your path or any advice that you think is important for a younger you to hear (laughs) i think just no matter what you know sort of niche you're in just keep doing what you're doing and try to challenge it based on what you used to do like compare yourself only to your past self rather than comparing yourself to all these other people's people who aren't even maybe doing the same thing or doing the same style as you do your own thing like in my niche specifically i wish i'd learned how to measure angles a little sooner you know how like you always see the artist out there with their arm and their thumb out and they're like what are they doing it's like you check the angle from like maybe the top of the tree down to the ground and you can get it more proportional that way and i also would say like don't entertain people who are just there to hate on your posts or whatever like if it 
if you feel like you need to like correct the actual knowledge yes but if they're like oh your art sucks like don't take it to heart i mean you're gonna attract the people who actually like your art eventually so there's you shouldn't have to convince anybody to like your art just keep doing what you like and the people who like it will come to you that's good advice i love that I think it's very true too that the people who likes your who like your art will come they will come to you. It's something I struggled with a lot when I was like actually until very recently it's something I struggled with because I agonizingly took me a year of debating back and forth on whether or not I should quit my job before I actually did it. And now that I did, I'm so grateful that I did because I'm making double to triple what I was making at a nine to five as a freelance artist. And I'm working half as much. Wow. So I, you know, I think that's great advice too, because, you know, if you have confidence in yourself and if you, you know, I get the imposter syndrome too. It's really easy to get imposter syndrome as yeah. an artist. I feel cause you see all of these people who you think are amazing. And even those people see people that they think are amazing and they get imposter syndrome too. Like I know that there's people on TikTok who follow me and even a couple of people commented on my videos and they were like, did you post a YouTube video like six years ago with this piece? And I'm like, how do you remember me six years ago? <laughs> right. How, how do, do you remember, remember this me? piece? I don't remember my piece. <laughs> it made me feel famous for a minute because they were like, did you make a YouTube video where you were talking about that artwork? And I was like, like six years ago. And she was like, was it an accepted portfolio video? Because I remember that piece that you did and it stuck with me and I think about it all the time. And then I just oh, see it here awesome. on TikTok again. And I was like, it just blows my mind because it's like, I have it hanging up on my wall because it is one of my favorite pieces that I've yeah. ever done. But I, just because it stuck with me, I don't expect my work that people usually just, you know, scroll past in under 30 seconds and are like, oh, <laughs> and then just keep scrolling. I don't expect people to continue to look at my art and remember it that way. So it's, it's just really, you have to remember that like, just because you have all these artists that you like and that you love and that are amazing and beautiful and talented and so great. It doesn't mean that you're not that to other people too. Yeah. And so that's like the important thing to remember with art because it is subjective and the people that like your art, they'll find you and they will let you know in bold letters that they remember a painting that you did six years ago that you haven't talked about on social media in a long time. And they'll say, Oh my God, I can't believe I found you on TikTok. I saw your YouTube video with, it literally only had 10,000 views. It somehow managed to find the same person twice. That's crazy to me. But awesome. yeah, I love that advice. Thank you so much for being on ArtWise. It is now self-promo time. We went way over on time, <laughs> but it's okay. So go ahead, self-promo time, plug your stuff, anything that you want us people who just listened to this to know about you, ways to support you, contact you, what have you, floor is yours. Okay. Never done a self-promo, but if you guys want to follow me on Instagram or TikTok, those are the same handles. That's That Hippie Painter on Facebook, Rachel Nicole Artwork, mostly on TikToks though, so, and Instagram, so. I also got a website. It's RV Artwork. It is not recreational vehicles. It's my initials, <laughs> but I have prints available there and like some originals, 
yeah, if you guys want to check it out or just give me a follow on Instagram, I appreciate it. And thank you so much, Kate, for having me on the Artwise podcast. I'll be sure to share it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on. It's been an awesome episode. They're always good when they go over time. Everybody's <laughs> like, yes, a bonus seven minutes and 44 seconds. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify really helps us out. And if you are interested in supporting the podcast further, on my website, katemerrymanart.com slash podcast, there's resources for you to apply to be a guest. There's resources for you to join the discord server where we have free critique and networking for artists so that's free to join we have merch if you want to buy merch if you have money go ahead if you don't have money don't even think about it i don't want you to starve but yeah that's it for this episode thank you again rachel for coming on and i will see all of you guys again next tuesday bye everyone